0: Greetings, fellow insomniacs, and welcome to yet another episode of Creature Features Flashbacks on GeeksoftheIndustry.com. I'm your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and as I said, I'm just plowing through these uh, Three Mothers episodes that I've got in the back catalog to get you guys equipped, prepared. You can listen to them in your own time, at your own discretion, but I've got to get them out of my system so I can move on with my life and by my life, I mean, you know, making more episodes. It's it's a pathetic life, but it's mine. And, uh, you know, this was... God damn. It has to have been... It feels like it wasn't this far off, but, um, this was when I did a theme called Um Agento uh, was a month dedicated to the work of Dario Agento, And, uh, I'd already done Suspiria, so I felt it was appropriate to cover Mata Tenebrallam with uh, Inferno. Uh, Again, I will be re-reviewing both Suspiria and Inferno in the Three Mothers episode, but... uh, Just to quit the appetite, I wanted to put my thoughts, because they may differ between this episode... In the Three Mothers episode. So, uh, now I can look like a complete fucking hypocrite and my opinion can change. You know, cause you're, you you do not grow as a person. You don't look at the world differently as you grow. It's, you should absolutely feel it. Anyway. <laughs> this is, uh, this is a fun episode. I hope you enjoy it. This is my discussion on Inferno with the Creature Features Flashback on geeks of
1: tutti sono Barbara Magnolfi e state ascoltando Gigs of the
2: Industry.
1: Geeks of the Industry. Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play
2: this...
1: (coughs) This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily... We urgently recommend that if you are such a person, or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, let you and the child leave the auditorium for the next... Creature Features, a horror discussion from GeeksoftheIndustry.com, and now your host, Chunky Larry.
0: Greetings fellow insomniacs and welcome to another episode of the Creature Features podcast on GeeksoftheIndustry.com. I am your host, my name is Chunky Larry, and following the overwhelming international success of Suspiria, director Dario Argento looked to expand on his vision by again collaborating with co-writer and girlfriend Daria Nicolati, to craft an elaborate operatic cleanse deeper down the rabbit hole. But nagging health issues caused the director's absence from the set, irrevocably altering the course of the vision's overall. On February 7, 1980, Dario Argento's Inferno was released, leaving audiences feeling burned.
1: I shall have to pay for breaking what we alchemists call silentium. The life experiences of our colleagues should warn us not to upset laymen by imposing our knowledge upon them. The book! There are mysterious parts in that book but the only true mystery is that our very lives are governed by dead people. In the beginning, there were three mothers, the same as there were three fates and three furies. I always mistakenly call them by one terrifying name. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be left alone. Sister, where is my sister? It's as if I were constantly being watched. But at times, I think I actually feel a presence, as if someone were in the room with me. Who lives in this damned house? Uh, uh, someone who is waiting. But who? You are being watched.
0: This week on the show, we continue the theme of Oggento with the second part of the Three Mothers trilogy. Uh, I covered the first part of this trilogy back in April during the Season of the Witch Month uh, with Suspiria, and uh, we now are going to talk about its 1980 sister, Inferno, and in order to get this conversation rolling, I invited somebody that I've been meaning to have on the show for a while and just haven't had the the right time or the right movie or whatever it is. I, I've mentioned his show a couple of times uh, you know, during the plug segments. I, I genuinely enjoy what they're doing over at Horror Haven Podcast, and uh, one of the hosts from that show is here this week. Dylan, how you doing, my man?
3: Awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. I've been uh, looking forward to talking movies with you for a while.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and I, I'm one of those kinds of people that I, I absolutely feel like uh, horror podcasters specifically, you know, they're essentially doing the exact same thing. They're, you know, running their mouths with their friends or whatever about uh, movies that they love. And yeah,
3: I mean... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just I
0: just feel that, you know, there's a world of opportunity for, you know, podcasters to kind of come together and have conversations, and uh, it's it's one of the things that I enjoy most about doing this podcast. Uh, I know you have a regular set of uh, guests or co-hosts on your show. I, I just, I like to, to flip it around and give different perspectives.
3: Yeah, I mean... A lot of the reason why uh, Sierra and I started the show is because we did have, like, a small group of friends from back home after we moved to, like, discussing horror movies. So we are like, all right, well, this is a good opportunity to, like, keep in contact with those people. And we've actually met a lot of awesome people through the podcast community or the horror community that we've really enjoyed just having conversations with. So it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I've... I, I do a lot of different podcasts I do like wrestling I do you know regular movies and just all this other shit uh, but of the of the audiences that I speak to on regular um, I feel that you know horror fans more so than like say wrestling fans are passionate without being shitty you know what I mean like there there's this this mindset of a lot of these fandoms this elitism that I just, I fucking cannot stand. I, I just, I, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, your opinion is simply that. You know, and, and that's essentially what we do on this show is we just give our opinions. Uh, my opinion is no more valid than your opinion. Uh, you know, I'm obviously older than you, uh, but that doesn't mean that your opinion doesn't matter more than mine or vice-versa and and that's just that's one of the things that i've always kind of had a problem uh with other communities you don't get a lot of that in the horror community
3: yeah no i love it i love that uh you know there are people who know more on the subject than we do but you know it's that friendliness that we enjoy because you don't have people that are like oh you've really never seen this movie it's more like oh it's great you gotta check it out it has like all of these elements that you've said you enjoyed so you kind of uh get this like you get a lot of suggestions from people and you know it, it it's never one person shitting on another person's opinions it's always like a friendly community vibe so
0: absolutely and are you very familiar with the work of dario argento so
3: I recently came into it um, one of our co-hosts Stephen he's always been like super into like Italian horror mm-hmm. and he showed me movies before and they've always been kind of like whatever movies for me I mean I, I enjoy them for like the goriness but we covered Suspiria in one of our past episodes and covering that I absolutely fell in love with it because it felt more like Art like it felt so artistic the way that it was shot the styles like we'll talk about it more with Inferno because a lot of what they did in Suspiria I felt carried over in Inferno but um, it's something that I've been kind of looking more into now that I've gotten like a taste of it like I'm
0: I'm pretty much hooked at this point <laughs> and that's exactly what it is with I think a lot of the Italian stuff for American audiences is that you know it's Specifically with like an Argento or like a Fulci, you know, those are guys that your friends kind of are like, oh, wait a, like it's some uh, trick in their bag that they can pull out, like, oh, I'm going to really blow their minds with this, and that's the way that you uh, come to know these artists because it's not like, you know, it's not like a Steven Spielberg where you're going to be able to go to the theater and watch one of his films. You have to seek it out, and you know if you're unaware of it, it goes, you know, under the radar for you. And so that's, that's kind of where <clears throat> I, I kind of glom more towards Argento because it's something that, you know, you share with people, you know what I mean? Like, a, almost like a chain letter, but, but a, a beautiful chain letter with, with just some of the most impressive visuals and, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I didn't do in the Suspiria episode that I kind of want to do in, in this episode is just kind of talk about a little bit of uh, Dario Argento facts. Uh, the, the one fact that I want to just bring up is that uh, he did not attend college. He ended up going and working for a magazine, uh, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce because it's Italian I <laughs> don't speak Italian. But it was there that he worked as a columnist, columnist reviewing films, and ultimately got his start writing, and uh, was able to work with uh, Sergio Leone, and uh, he wrote the script or the story for uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, which at that point, you know, Leone was, uh, you know, already like a, a a mainstay. Uh, in transitioning into a, a American cinema with the Dollars trilogy, you know, the, the Clint Eastwood films. And uh, Once Upon a Time in the West is kind of uh, like the final nail in the spaghetti western coffin, kind of at least for uh, Leonie. He ended up going on to do, I think, Once Upon a Time in America after that, which is not a western film. And, you know, but this it kind of signifies the death of. It of that and uh he co-wrote that with Bernardo Bertolucci who uh also you know went on to do amazing things uh but that you know that was kind of where he had gotten his start cinematically and Uh, For 13 years, or uh, between 66 and 69, so not even 13 years, for three years, he wrote 13 films. And they were all kind of ranging from different topics, just kind of, you know, for a paying gig almost. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, in the early 70s, I believe it was 71, no, it was 1970, uh, when he released his first directorial film. And that was the first of the uh, animal trilogy, which I will eventually get around to doing, uh, the bird with the crystal plumage, and those were Giallo films, and a lot of, you know, Argento's work is kind of synonymous with the Giallos. But for me, the 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 filmmaker that I recognize kind of as, you know, Argento is this surrealist artist who does things that don't necessarily have to make sense uh, as as long as they're effective visually and uh, being able to reach you kind of on like a visceral level and uh, you know it was in I think it was 77 uh, when he released Suspiria that it kind of changed the game like uh, you know he had films like like I said he did the uh, the animal trilogy which was uh, four, five, four, four Flies on Grey Velvet Bird with the Crystal Plumage and the Cat of Ninetales or Plumage, I'm sorry Uh, but those were all Giallo films, he had tried to do something out of the horror vein and it kind of uh, fell on its face so he went back to Giallo's with uh, his film from 1975, Deep Red and that's where he and Daria Nicolotti started to collaborate Daria Nicolati collaborated with Argento on the writing of Suspiria, and again, like I said, that, that film is revolutionary visually, you know, stylistically. It, it, it explores kind of the boundaries of what art horror could be, and, you know, you, you see its, its imprint felt on just about everything that's popular right now in cinema, especially uh, the refins and, you know, those guys that are in that ballpark, absolutely 100% inspired by Argento and the work that he was doing in the 70s. And, you know, from, from my personal opinion, his strongest work was 75 to 85. And uh, that's just, that's where I stand on it. And, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my yeah, little no, uh, I... bit on Argento. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, I i was so drawn in like i said before when we covered suspiria and uh to this day it's one of my favorite films that we covered, just because it felt like such an art piece and it like you had mentioned like it doesn't even matter at times if things make sense because it's the visuals that really drew me into it and you know *Suspiria*, watching it i there were times where i just zoned out and i just was lost in, like, the imagery and, like, certain shots that they took and just the color. I will mention the color a thousand times because it's just such a... It was a unique thing, you know what I mean? And it's just something that I don't think could be mimicked now. And I know that uh, they're currently working on, like, a remake of Suspiria, and I believe that they said they weren't going to bring over the color palette, which kind of worries me about uh, the remake... But well, I'm willing to give it a shot.
0: I, I, will, I will say that, um, that, that that specifically will come into play with, I think, our discussion with this film, um, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, before we get into discussing this film, Inferno, uh, I do, at the beginning of all of these, try to read a synopsis. Uh, that I scour the internet to find. Typically, I just go to IMDb. But uh, I I look all over the world, and uh, I land on one. And, you know, sometimes they're really good. Sometimes they're kind of shit. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see which one we get this time for 1980s Inferno. An American college student in Rome and his sister in New York investigate a series of killings in both locations where their resident addresses are the domain of two covens of witches. All right. That, that, one, that one's going to land on the bad side. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little pitchy, dog. You did your thing. It was just a little <laughs> pitchy. Uh, you know, this film, uh, it was essentially, uh, conceptually taken from Thomas De Quincey's uh, Suspiria De Profundis, which was uh, a prose poem that, you know, dealt with, uh, you know, La and Our Ladies of Sorrow. And it was um, the three fates, the three graces. And so, you know, obviously that's, that's kind of where the three mothers idea was kind of born. And essentially what it is, is that off of the success of you know Suspiria which you know when Suspiria was released it was you know not only successful in Italy it was successful in America as well and it became kind of a marketable like benchmark kind of film that really got people to take notice of Italians. and so you know Argento and uh, Nicolotti they they essentially were like, yeah, well, you know, we originally had planned it as a trilogy. We've got more that we want to do with it. And so they expanded on the, the you know, the lore of the, the world that this movie inhabited by expanding and uh, uh, creating these three different locations that housed evil. And uh, they were essentially supposed to come out in, in you know, succession. And uh, there's, you know, Mater Lacrinarum, the Lady of Tears, uh, Madame, uh, Mater Suspiriorum, the Lady, the Lady of Sighs, and Mater Tenebrum, the Lady of Darkness. And if if you know your Argento, you know that the film that followed this was Tenebrae, uh, which, you know, again was supposed to be that third part. That whole thing changed, you know, kind of completely. Just kind of the way things kind of went after this, and I, I discussed that a bit on last week's episode, Tenebrae, because we kind of went in reverse. And uh, you know, we're we're all over the map timeline-wise as far as uh, which movies we're going to be covering. And you know, it, it's it's just in the order that I wanted to cover them. And I don't I don't feel like I need to go chronologically to discuss these films and. Uh, but so the 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 trilogy was supposed to end with Tenebrae, didn't, and they didn't give the third you know act, the third story, until 2007 uh, when Argento released The Mother of Tears, and um, it's it's one of those movies that is kind of uh, people have. Different opinions of it. Uh, a lot of people hate it. I personally loved it. Uh, I Again, there's another film I want to cover as soon as I fucking can. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so they worked out this deal with 20th, 20th Century Fox, uh, who invested in the film. They'd gotten, you know, money from them, but they also got money from, like, a, a German distributor and a couple other places. A portion of it was shot in New York, and then uh, most of it, more of the entirety of it, like inserts and uh, anything inside, was shot in Rome. But, you know, there's. Famously, uh, Argento had gotten very ill working on this film, and he wasn't present a lot during the making of the film. Uh the, actor, the actress who played Rose actually had you know, spoken about how uh, most of her work was directed by uh, director Mario Bava. I don't know if you know who Mario Bava is, but uh, he's, he's – Yeah, when
3: we uh, – sorry. When we covered it, Suspiria, we actually did a witches-themed episode, and uh, it was pretty cool how it fell into place because we picked at random, and we picked Black Sunday, which was directed by Mario Bava. So That's it was funny. cool to see – yeah, it was cool to see this uh, This movie had, like, both of them working together, and I, I was pretty excited to uh, check it out after hearing that.
0: And uh, another fun fact about Bava, it's besides the fact that uh, I covered both of those films during April, during the season of Lynchburg, but, <laughs> but uh, another fun thing about Bava is that he directed a film, Uh, that you may not have seen, uh, which also starred Daria Nikolai. It's called Shock. And um, if you haven't seen it, I say go out of your mind, because it's goddamn amazing. Uh, And that was actually his last film that he directed before he passed away. This Inferno itself was the last film he ever worked on before passing away. So, uh, you know, he's the father of Lombardo Bava, who... <clears throat> went on to direct Demons, which was co-written by Argento. Yeah, just, just again, you know, kind of six degrees of Dario Argento kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: I, I just the the thing I feel that this film, uh, where it is, you know, visually amazing. There's not a lot of story there. You know mm. what I mean? Uh, where there's, there are moments in the film that I absolutely adore. Um, the whole lead-up with the music cutting in and cutting out and power going in and out, and uh, it, it, that music being timed perfectly with him coming out with the knife in his neck. Yeah. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that that's Swavy, uh who is... The one with the knife in the neck. I, I didn't look it up, but, but I, I'm pretty sure that's who that is. Uh, but yeah, I just there's there's a couple of things that uh, really stuck out to me. Uh, the use of animals in this film, uh, specifically cats and rats. Uh, each use of animals seemed kind of off. <laughs> would would you say that that's a that's a safe assumption for that?
3: Yeah, I. I'd say so. I will say that that rat scene had me cringing. <laughs>
0: uh, and, you know, that's another thing that seems to be a, an ongoing an ongoing kind of theme, because there's, there's all these different tropes that you get when you go into an Argento film. Uh, nine times out of ten, the killer is going to wear leather gloves, uh, black leather gloves, and you'll see just their gloves. Uh, and, you know, Each time you see those leather gloves, it's actually Dario Argento Sen, which I just think is cool as fuck. Yeah. Uh, You know, then there's always, like it seems like always, some character that has some sort of disability. More often than not, it's blindness. But there's always some sort of disability that uh, one of the main characters has. In Suspiria, it was the blind man. In this one, it's the the man on the crutches who goes to drown the cats. And Mm -hmm. it's uh, eaten by rats, which is just kind of ironic (laughs) in in the weirdest kind of way. And, you know, the blind man was attacked by a dog in Suspiria. So there's lots of use of animals, uh, people with disabilities... You know,
3: and I was, I honestly wasn't expecting it too. It, it definitely uh, threw me off when there's the the guy at the hot dog truck, and he hears Kazanian screaming as he's getting eaten by the rats, and he starts running towards him, and you're thinking, oh, he's gonna save him, and then
0: boom, next yeah, to the next. <laughs> <laughs> he knifes the fuck out of him. It's yeah. just like, um, what? <laughs> it,
3: yeah, it was one of those things he where I literally was like. Oh shit <laughs> uh,
0: But that that's kinda of the thing that I I noticed a lot is that the the film almost suffers because Argento wasn't there a lot of right. the time. You know, and and he cites this as being one of the worst experiences that he had making a film. He doesn't like the movie very much because of all the things, you know, bad that went on during the making of it. And and you get the you kind of get the feeling that he almost saw the film as being cursed when he talks about it, which is also kind of weird because he steps away from you know the witches and supernatural stuff for a little while, um, kind of following that. I don't know. It it just it, it it's something that I that I've always kind of wondered is you know did he feel you know while making film that you know everything that was happening was kind of a repercussion of him getting too close to something and
3: that's interesting it's an interesting thought and I mean as far as him saying that he he didn't enjoy it too much I mean I, I guess I could kind of see it too because you have this thing where like it, it's almost like his creation and he didn't have complete say over it so i could see where like maybe he had these thoughts like oh well, i saw this going differently in my head but that's not how it was carried out so i i guess it's kind of understandable in that sense as well but I, that's an interesting thought though that he kind of strayed away from the whole theme after this film
0: and you also gotta look at you know this is kind of it seems like where the rift between Nicolotti and argento starts to take place is while well, working on this because uh, at this point she didn't even feel like fighting for credit for co-writing the film. Like, she, she right. didn't ask him any of the brain because, uh, you know, the headache that it was giving credit for suspiricals. So she, you know, went the treatment, and, you know, then passed it off to him and he, you know, argentined it the fuck out. Uh, you know you made sure that a girl's head went through glass (laughs) (laughs) um, but you know then there's you know the also you know Baba passing away you know him being hit with an illness dealing with the frustrations of working with a studio like 20th Century Fox he's been up to that point very much on his own in terms of being a filmmaker and kind of being his own boss making movies the way he wants to do it. And, you know, you feel that there's far too many cooks in the kitchen, and that the one one person who visually understands the way to put this together doesn't necessarily have as much of a say. And, you know, that's that's kind of the thing that I I really take away from it. You know, there was a sub uh, Hansel and Gretel kind of hinting, and you know, if you remember when we we'll discussed discussing Suspiria, you know, we, well, I know I I brought up the fact that, uh, you know, he had wanted it to be younger girls at a dance academy. Yep. And that everybody thought that that was a little weird. Um, <laughs> especially <laughs> everything that was going to be happening, you know, during Right. Right. Um, but, you know, in this one, he he went you know full on, and uh, again you know kept that fairy tale theme kind of under the surface with the Hansel and you know, uh, them them trying to leave those breadcrumbs and the, the second key is on, in the cellar, <laughs> and yeah. it just like it, it it felt like like it was it was meant to be more, and that there's something that's just not quite there. I I don't know how to Look. how to properly kind of express that what I'm what I'm saying in the sense that I don't I don't know how to say that there's just this intangible thing that, you know, like somebody went left instead of right. And, you know, it it just the overall picture isn't the same.
3: Yeah, and I think it all goes I think for me it all goes back to what we keep the thing we keep bringing up is you know it it's almost like the story takes a back seat with these movies and you really just have to enjoy what you're watching i mean um there were very there were various different things in the movie that kind of drew me away from the story but it at no point during the movie was i like bored watching it and uh I mean, there. It, it was all little things like the the dubbing. It's something. Like I said, I'm still kind of uh, getting into the Italian horror thing. So the whole dub over of voices and this one, there were times where it was laughable. Like, yeah. like, uh, especially Mark. Like some of the lines kind of just threw me for a loop. But um.
0: And that's it, another thing about Argento's work is that he shoots it with people from all over the world like they, nobody yeah. speaks the same language on his sets so there's that you know that's something that he's used to doing and being able to you know not not concern himself with what they're saying but what he's seeing and without having his voice there it makes all of that stuff not mesh right right and and that's that's kind of what I was I guess trying to say is That it's, you know, taking the most important element out of the equation really, you know, kind of muddies the water in And it shows those those threads that a magician wouldn't show. And -hmm. it becomes less magic because you know how it's done. It's, you know, it's just like, um, you know, a sloppy wrestler. You, (laughs) You look at a sloppy professional wrestler and you see that, oh, they're not really fighting, they're not really hurting each other. And it, and it makes when you get a, a really good wrestler who does make it look like they're hurting each other is in, in that same situation. You know what I mean? You, you have those yeah. two to compare and the one makes the other one look worse.
3: Yeah. And it, 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 it's a perfect way to put it too, because watching the movie, the times where the story was brought in and they had the dialogue, it almost had me like, wishing they would stop talking and, like, get back to the imagery and, like, the mystery, I guess, of uh, seeing what seeing what's gonna happen without the
0: dialogue. Uh, the, the the part where he's cutting the heads off of the paper dolls
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then the chick's just randomly hanging uh, is easily one of my favorite moments in the entire film. It's it has no bearing on the entire film, but just the the mixture of that music and the visuals, it, it is very reminiscent of like Deep Red, where they would do the cutaways of the child toys and everything. New. But but that that moment really stuck out to me, and I've watched it several times. That obviously when they push against the glass, and the skeleton comes through. Uh, yeah, just, just visually fantastic. Uh, but talking about music, uh, you know, that's another thing that didn't really fit is they went with Keith Emerson, uh, where most people are used to, you know, when they think of Argento, they think of Goblin. Uh, I,
3: I was wait, I was wishing the entire time that it was Goblin because. Yeah, that was another thing that drew me out so much was a lot of the times it felt that the music didn't fit with the
0: situations that were going on. Yeah, and have you ever seen the film The Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yeah. Did you know that there was a sequel to that that actually starred Jessica Harper from Suspiria called Shock Treatment? I did not. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, And that's what this was. This was the shock treatment of Suspiria. Uh, it just it didn't have the same panache or you know, bite. Uh, it, it's still visually stunning, and you can see what they were trying to go for. But it it feels like an uncompleted film. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I think that that's as good a place as any for us to uh, get into uh, rating for this bad boy. Uh, the I know this is your first time on the show, Dylan, but uh, essentially what we do at the end of every episode is we rate the shows in Reapers, zero being the lowest, five being the highest. You could do .5 or you know, .4, .8, or whatever you want to do. But uh, it's between zero and five. Where did right. you land on Reapers for
3: I think I would give this... I'm gonna say maybe like a 4.2. Um, it had that dreamy vibe that Suspiria had, but just not to the same full effect as Suspiria. Um, there were great parts to the movie that I liked. Uh, the The part where I'm trying to remember was it Rose? The part where Rose dies with the the glass, the glass window glass, getting pushed yeah. getting pushed down on her neck. That's probably one of my favorite kill scenes in a movie to date. Um, But it it had the dreamy tone to it, but just not as much as I would have wanted to see. And I think a lot of that does have to do with Argento not being present as much during filming. So I I think a 4.2 is where I'd land on it.
0: I'm going to go in 3.5. I, I enjoy this movie for, you know, the obvious things the merits visually. Uh, but there's there's so much that isn't flushed out. Uh, you know the interpersonal connections between the characters never is really established. Like I, I watched it three or four times before I realized who the girl was that got killed that wasn't his sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean like I, I, that's the, a lot of things weren't made kind of clear. You know, and not everything needs to be made clear in an art film, you know, but there still needs to be some semblance of clarity to be able to go along that ride. And I just, I felt that a lot of the ideas weren't hammered out completely to the way that they could have been. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, so plugs, my man. Where, where can people find you and your show?
3: Uh, you can find us on iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you get your um, podcast fix at Horror Haven Podcast. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast, and we have a website, HorrorHavenMedia.com.
0: And definitely fucking listen to their show. I, I've, Like I said, I've been really digging your show. I'm actually about to uh, pop the uh, remakes episode on, uh, I think, later today, just kind of as I... Uh, finish my my, my life <laughs> before <laughs> before I shift off to being you know a dad again, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I really fucking enjoy you guys' show, and it's it's one of those things where it's like I enjoy the the personalities on the show, and I wanted to kind of you know at one point I'm gonna ha- try to have at least every one of you on at one yeah. point. Yeah, I I don't like doing the group <laughs> thing uh, just because.
3: It gets hectic. It gets trust me. exactly. I deal with you it know, every like, week. A yeah. lot of talking,
0: and you know, it's like too too many words, too many words. Uh, I just I can't do it. I, I lose my own head in the shuffle, that. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, oh 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 I forgot. Fuck. <laughs> uh, because I'm a stoner, dude. So you know, if if you if you get fucking banked, and then you go and you record a podcast, you need to be laser-focused or you're going to be forgetful like the dude in Memento. That's just the way that it is. You're either you're either fucking zeroed in or you're drifting around. Like That's just how it goes. So, that's... I can't do groups. Uh, but <laughs> each one of you motherfuckers should definitely be on this show. Uh, if you guys are here because of him and you're only here because of him... I'm sorry. But if you're here right. because of him and you enjoyed the show... Thank you. Um... Absolutely, I appreciate it. You know, and, and I can't blame you. Uh, but you want to find out more about us? You can do that in a myriad of different ways. You can do that by liking us on Facebook, Facebook.com/forward/slash/creaturepod. Following us on Twitter and Instagram at creaturepod. And you're on Twitter now, right? Uh, kind of. I'm terrible
3: Twitter's. with
0: the Twitter thing, man. <laughs> uh, dude, I uh, Twitter is rough for me as well. I, I, I fucking I force myself to do it because I know that you know you gotta you know. I access all avenues, but uh, uh, the, the Twitter—it's just so it's so restricting. <laughs> it's too
3: hectic for me. It's just constant update after update after update, and I just get—I get too overwhelmed by it. Yeah, it's so like I me in the crowd every once in a
2: while, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: but uh, yeah, man, I, you know some other fucking podcasts that I always try to toss out there that I think you guys will absolutely enjoy. Uh, Without your head is uh, probably. If I were to be a betting man, say, uh, the biggest horror podcast, or at least the longest running, they've had fucking everybody on their show. And, uh, you know, one day, one day I'll be there. Uh, but not yet. Nasty Neil, Terrible Troy, Animal Lecter, Sexy Fucking Seth, all oh, there, rocking it, and just talking to who's who's of the booze. <laughs> The who's who's of the booze. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Uh, you can also check out Final Girls Horror Cast. Uh, I have been really enjoying their show. Uh, they, they do a lot of stuff that I just, I think is really funny. Uh, and that's Amy and Carly talking about sci-fi thrillers and horror. Uh, I, I, re- I really recommend them. They're, they're a fucking fun-ass goddamn show. Uh, say you love Satan 80s horror podcast. I sing their praises enough that all I have to say is say you love Satan 80s horror podcast. And you'll know that I've I've gone down on how great they are a couple of times. They're just oh, <laughs> oh, god! Uh but yeah, they are. Uh, <laughs> they're great. Uh, I also want to say you know definitely, definitely listen to the Badasses Boobs and Body Count podcast. I think they're the tits. <laughs> And, I see what uh, you did there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost like I planned that. Uh, like <laughs> I, I had that written down. I was like staring in the mirror, just like yes, one day. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Abonpress.com, get yourself some Lucille Fulci comic books. Uh, we're nearly there. It's two months now away from the day that we will be able to pre-order our copies of the Maniac comic, and I can't fucking wait.
3: I'm excited for
0: that. <laughs> I, I'm so fucking jazzed for it, because I've, I've seen images from it, and it just looks phenomenal. Um, so definitely abonpress.com. Again, that's E-I-B-O-N-P-R-E-S-S dot com, in case you didn't know how to spell press. <laughs> <laughs> snaxonline.com part. Yeah, it wasn't Avon that you were fucking worried about. It was Press. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that about you. Uh, <laughs> uh Also, Box of Dread, you know, you can subscribe. It's a subscription service like uh, you know, one of these loot crates or whatever the hell, but for horror fans, and every month you get fucking posters, toys, Interesting buttons, and I, I, I know all you fucking young kids, you love your buttons. So <laughs> don't I sound like the old man on the porch? All you old kids loving your buttons,
3: dude. I will say, I have never realized how big buttons are.
0: It's until fucking I retarded. Even.
2: It's like, fucking retarded. Fuck? Everybody.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I I, I love. A lot of you guys, and I, I everybody teach each their own, I just, I don't, I don't wear fucking jean Vespra <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, mean, I don't shit about buttons.
3: the buttons, but, like, I, I never realized how big it was until I started the podcast, and everybody's posting buttons, and I'm like,
0: holy shit, this is a thing. Yeah, it's really weird. Um... Uh, <laughs> But if you want a button, you can get one through Box of Dread, so... (laughs) Don't let us judge you. Yeah, don't take our judgments to heart. Get yourself some Box of Dread. (laughs) Worst ad ever. (laughs) But we're going to keep the theme of our Argento going next week with... uh, Easily one of my favorite Argento films that is, again, on, on that, on that Kinsey scale of, uh, you either love it or you hate it. And, uh, I'm talking, of course, about the Stendhal syndrome, which I can't fucking wait to discuss. Uh, so there, there's a lot of win this month. Uh, keep coming back. Make sure you go and watch the Stendhal syndrome before we review it next week, because we're gonna spoil the fuck out of it. However, for Dylan, and for myself, again, my name is Chunky, this has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on geeksoftheindustry.com, Stitcher, and iTunes. Listen. Someone you trust. (laughs)
1: Everything around you will become dark, and someone will take your hand. You'll be pleased, not unhappy. You'll enjoy moments of incredible brightness. (laughs) You think it's magic? No. I'm not a magician. Now we have to hurry, because we still have to pass through a number of strange phases, and you'll change. You are looking for me, just like your sister. This is what you wanted. I'm coming to get you. Tell me who you are. The three mothers. Haven't you understood? Mater Tenebrarum. Mater Lacrimarum. Mater Susperiorum. But men call us by a single name. A name which strikes fear into everyone's heart. They call us...